Good evening. It's good to have you here this evening. Welcome to our service. And uh, we're going to we're going to start with some great words that we're going to sing. And I think you know, one of the one of the things we miscalculate so much in our Christian lives is the greatness and the power of God. And we're we're constantly on that journey of learning, aren't we? Of uh, of things we can't really grasp in our minds of God's greatness. But this this first hymn goes through God's character and His greatness. So let these words. Uh, help us to build and form our view of God. There was a, there were two lines that stuck, stuck out to me when I read it earlier on. Far above Earth's small circle, you embrace infinity. And perhaps you see these uh, artistic impressions of trying to grasp how big Earth is, how, then how small it is in the whole universe and, and boundless time and space going on forever. Well, in God, God just embraces that. One hug from God contains it all. He, he holds it all in his arms. So let's uh, sing this truth to each other and together to encourage ourselves in God's character and his greatness. Let's sing. Oh. 
Well, let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, we gladly bow before you. And as we've sung of your greatness and your power, your sovereignty and your reign over all things, whilst you embrace infinity, we help us to embrace our frailty and our smallness. And so often we get the, the two the wrong way around. So often we're so uh, tall and big in our own eyes. Lord, humble us under your mighty hand and raise up the greatness of your name in our estimation, in, in our view of you. There is none above you. There is none before you. All of time is in your hands. Your throne remains and ever stands. Lord, we worship you gladly this evening. You are unparalleled and unrivaled in your power and greatness. You're unlimited in your power. You are unaffected by any events that are going on around. Lord, we worship you. And even though you are so infinitely above us, yet you are intimately concerned for us. Oh Lord God, we are greatly humbled at that fact. When you could just blow us away in an instant. When our whole being and existence relies on you for life. Along with the other billions of people in this world and every creature and every bird and every plant that is growing is reliant on you for life. And Lord, we thank you that in your mercy you don't treat us how we deserve. But as great is your power, so great is your grace and your mercy toward us, though we deserve none of it. Lord God, we praise you for King Jesus. We thank you for sending him into this world. Thank you for the great love he had toward us. The love of the Father to send the Son. The love of the Son to the Father to obey his will and to lay down his life for us. Lord, we praise you for that. And we thank you that all who put their trust in Christ are saved. Oh, how wonderful is the gospel. We praise you for that great news that we have the privilege to know, the privilege to proclaim. And many of us here have the privilege to know you, your forgiveness, your life-giving power. And we have eternal life ahead of us, all because of your grace. Every credit goes to you. And Lord, we worship you because you're worthy. And we pray to you this evening. Lord God, help us to, to live for you. Lord, we want our lives to, to reflect something back of the love you've shown towards us. And we're sad and we're ashamed often that the returns are so poor and unequaled. But Lord, inspire us in our hearts as we worship you this evening. As Mark preaches from your word, as we sing together, as we read the truth of your word and pray together, Lord, do, do strengthen us for this coming week. That we'll live lives devoted to you. That it won't be difficult for the world around to see uh, that we love Jesus and that we love each other. We pray that through our lives there'll be something which draws others to the gospel draws others to something that they don't have. But by grace, we have. So, Lord, thank you 
And uh, we ask that you'd help us this evening. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we've got two Bible readings this evening. Our first one is in Matthew, and it's chapter 22. And we're reading verse 23 to 33. It's on page 828, if you're using the Church Bible. Matthew chapter 22. Earlier in the day, the Pharisees, as they were good at doing, were doing their best to trip up Jesus, try and find a way that they could accuse him for saying something wrong with tricky questions. And now it's the Sadducees' turn, and they have a question for Jesus. Matthew 22, verse 23. The same day, Sadducees came to Jesus, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too the second and third, down to the seventh. After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong, because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. We're going to sing our next song together. And uh, isn't it um, the leaders, the prime ministers, the queens, the presidents of this earth, as spectacular as they may look, when compared to the kingship of Jesus, just, just look so pathetic, don't they? And this song reminds us that Jesus is on the throne and he's reigning and he's there to stay. Uh, no, no term is coming up, no re-election. Uh, nobody will, will out, out, uh, outdo Jesus on his throne. He's there to stay. And so all of our concerns uh, are safe with him. Uh, All of our trust is well-founded in him. And uh, what a great encouraging this song is for us. Let's sing it. Though the nations rage, kingdoms rise and fall, there is still one king reigning over all. So I will not fear, for this truth remains, that my God is the Ancient of Days.
again, shall we? Especially thinking of some of the things uh, ahead this week. Let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we continue to pray. Lord, I commit to you each one here and ask for your blessing on them. Lord, we uh, face another week and we live in the world. We live in a world that seeks to distract us from wholeheartedly following you. Uh, even ourselves, distract ourselves, and uh, we pray for your keeping grace. We pray that you make us strong tomorrow morning when uh, we are out in the world on our own, when we face the difficulties of life, the pressures of life, the temptations of life. Help us to be so close to your word that we have uh, a reply to temptation as Jesus did. It is written, Help us to draw near to you, uh, because that's when you have said that you'll draw near to us. Lord, help us to put honouring you above our own ambitions, above our own reputation. And Lord, it is then that we walk in your strength. It is then that we walk in the joy of your strength and our Christian lives flourish. Uh, But Lord, we, we feel the sense and the heat of battle in that spiritual warfare. So Lord, strengthen us. Help us to know our enemy. 
Help us to know our own weakness. Help us to know your word. Lord, we, we pray especially for our children and young people. <clears throat> Returning to school this week, and we thank you for education. We thank you for many good teachers and head teachers. We ask that you'll bless and help them. But Lord, we pray for our children with impressionable minds. We know that on the face there is a smile, but so often behind is the evil world system and its values and its ideology, which is subtly uh, implanted into our minds. And we ask that you'll protect our children. That from an early age you'll give them the wisdom to choose right and to refuse what is wrong. But we ask that you'll protect them. We pray that you will, will change them. Lord, we thank you for Sunday school and rooted this morning. Uh, thank you that started up again. Or we want your word to be uh, a prominent, have a prominent place in their hearts and in their minds to prepare them for their lives ahead. Lord, bless them. We pray for the generation that is coming ahead and we ask that you would raise up people to preach your word, people to live godly lives, people to serve you and honour you. And we pray, Lord, for that. We pray for young Christians. Ask that you'd help them to be like Daniel, to, to not be afraid to stand out in the crowd, though they might be on their own. Because uh, if you're with them, then... Uh, they are in the majority. So Lord, help, help young Christians to be bold in their faith, to be gracious in their communication with others as they share the gospel. But we pray for uh, those at uni. We think uh, of Elijah and Zach and Kim as they soon uh, go off to universities for the first time. We pray to bless them and help them to settle into that life. We pray that it will be a good group of Christians to Encourage them, for them to encourage and to grow with. And Lord, help them. And bless their families too with this big adjustment in their lives. Help those returning to uni and uh, their involvement with the CU. Uh, and Lord, we thank you for those opportunities that arise. We pray to bless them and in their young years to form uh, an attitude of wanting to share the gospel. And to want to be serving you. To want to be investing their time well for you. Lord, we pray for that. We pray for those who, who have, have drifted from you and uh, the, the lights of this world have dazzled them and uh, it seems so, so easy to, to not be following you but to just live for themselves. We thank you for your patience and that the day of your grace is still, is still here but uh, we don't know when that day comes to its finale. We don't know when, as it were, the, the door on the ark will be shut and the judgment of God comes. So Lord, help those who are uh, living independently from you to realise their dangerous position. And Lord, help them to turn to you in faith. Show them your need. Show them their need of you. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to convict our hearts of our sin and of our need and show us the way to Christ. Your welcome is... Uh, wonderful. Your invitation is compelling. The blessings you have to lavish on your children are incalculable. And uh, one, uh, a whole life of, of living for ourselves, even if we could gain the whole world, 
and yet lose our own soul, we would be the greatest fool. Lord, we pray this coming week for First Tuesdays. Thank you for our older folk. And we ask, Lord, that your blessing will be upon that group as it restarts. We pray that those who are lonely will be befriended. We pray especially that in these later years, uh, perhaps when their their views are formed and they're stuck in their ways, we pray that the gospel will be at work in their hearts to change them even at this late hour in their lives. We pray to you for first steps on, Tuesday, on Thursday. Help Karen and Jude and their team. Oh, we ask that you'd really give them energy and strength to lead that busy group again. We're just really praying for good opportunities to share the gospel, uh, for, for children to, to be integrated into Sunday school, to, to weekly hear the good news. We pray for that. Lord, our prayers are for Tuesday evening, or Wednesday, is it? Tuesday for Christianity Explored, and we're so thankful for the group of people who've signed up for that. Uh, Lord, we're just praying for your Holy Spirit to be very present uh, at that meeting. Help Martin and Jane as they lead that. And uh, Lord, we're sowing your word, and uh, and we kind of have an expectation that there will be some life. And so, Lord, we we can't give that part. Uh, We try faithfully to to sow your truth, we pray, Lord, that in your mercy and in your grace that your word will fall onto good ground and we look to you for results. We, we want and expect to see spiritual life coming from these endeavours to share the gospel. Lord, we pray now that you'd help us as we uh, listen to your word being preached, help Mark as he preaches for us, Oh Lord, we ask that you'd open our hearts to your truth and to your word. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Paul's going to come and uh, read our second reading for us now. Thank you, Paul. reading which is uh, almost identical to the one we've had earlier but just reinforces the message is in Mark's Gospel chapter 12 and we're reading verses 18 to 27 and Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection and they asked him a question saying teacher Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child the man must, make, must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no children. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third did likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, Whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? When they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the bush, 
how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Thank you, Paul. Well, before uh, Mark comes to preach for us, we're going to sing our next hymn, which is, We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe. Let's stand and sing this.
preaching is daunting. And part of that is because it's uh, speaking in front of a lot of people. Uh, There's an element in which uh, a lot of people would be daunted simply by explaining how to cook the perfect omelette. But preaching is mainly daunting because of the responsibility it is to speak week in, week out about the biggest and most important things that we could imagine. And over the last few months, as I've been thinking about uh, taking on preaching more regularly, I've been thinking this question, well, two questions really. How can I feel able to come up here? Or how can I feel able to preach? Question one. And the second question I've been asking, and maybe uh, you're asking as well, is why should I listen or why should you listen? Some of you have come inquisitively. You come inquisitively to church. You've got big questions on your mind. What is the meaning of life? Is there a point to life? Is there a God? If there is a God, what's he like? How should I live my life? How can a good God allow people to go through traumatic experiences? How can I deal with my guilt? And the question I ask myself is, how can I possibly adequately answer such huge questions? And maybe you're asking the question, why should I trust him when there are so many different ideas, so many different opinions out there? Why trust him? Some of you are coming to church at the moment and you're incredibly burdened. And that may just be by life in general. It may be by particular stress. It may be by grief. It may be by anxiety. It may be by difficult family situations. And I've never been through some of the experiences that you have been through or are going through. And sometimes I ask myself the question, how can I possibly speak to them? How can I help them in 30 minutes or so? What difference can I possibly make? And maybe you're thinking similarly. Why should I listen to him? Maybe you've come and you're not that interested. You've been dragged along or maybe you've come along because you kind of feel like you have to. And sometimes I think, how can I change that? Because I'd love you to be interested in these things because these things are so important. I'd love everyone to be interested. Maybe I could sort of tell funny stories or do things a bit differently. But the reality is, is I'm never going to be as funny as the comedian on TV. I'm never going to be as eloquent as the the motivational speakers that you see sometimes. And it's easy to feel like giving up. And maybe you're thinking, I'm just not that interested. And it doesn't matter what you say because I'm not planning on changing. Or maybe... You're a mature Christian, and you have been for many years. And maybe you've taught me, and uh, you've modelled to me what it looks like to be like Jesus, what it looks like to live a Christian life. And so I think, how can I teach them? What right have I got to teach people like that who have modelled so much to me and taught me so much? But tonight I want to share why. Why I feel able to come up here and speak to you. And also, and this sounds bold, but why it's worth listening to. There's two things that mean that I can do this. 
Without these things, I'd give up. Without these things, it'd be pointless. And without these things, I'd get it very wrong. And if you've got your brain switched on, you've already worked out what the two things are. They're these two things. The Word of God, this, the Bible, and the power of God. These are the two things that mean I feel able to come up here and speak to you. And these are the two things that mean I can boldly say that what I say is worth listening to. Tonight, uh, we're going to look uh, briefly at the story we looked at, that we looked at twice. We're going to look at the Mark 12 version, verses 18 to 27 in Mark 12. And we're going to see a group of religious people called the Sadducees um, get something very wrong because they've missed out on these two things, the word of God and the power of God. And so we're going to use this as a bit of a a case study, really, to see why these two things are so important. Sometimes you learn more, don't you, when you see how not to do something. Uh, So when I was uh, working for windmill feeds, I had to uh, do prep for the forklift. And uh, as part of the training, we had to watch a video. And uh, so they basically showed videos of people having these horrific accidents and these casualties. And uh, it was reenactments, it wasn't the real thing, um, and it was almost comically done. But you got the point. You got the point that these are dangerous machines, you need to be careful, you need to be alert and aware of your surroundings at all times. Otherwise things can go sour very quickly. But you learn how not to do it. So let's have a, a quick look at Mark 12 to see how they get it wrong, so that we can learn from them how to get it right. And don't worry if you get a little bit lost in some of the details here. Um, It's a little bit complicated. I think you'll all pick up the main point. So the Sadducees move in with this question designed to stump Jesus. We don't know a huge amount about the Sadducees. We know that they were wealthy, they were powerful, they were influential, they were this religious uh, sect. And they, they sort of moved around in the upper echelons of society. But the key thing that we need to know about them is that, and this whole story revolves around this, is that they didn't believe in the resurrection. Now, this isn't talking about Jesus' resurrection here, because Jesus is still alive. It's talking about the resurrection of uh, believers, of God's people. In, In other words, they didn't believe in God giving people life after death. And so this is their attempt to stump Jesus and prove that the idea of life after death just doesn't work. So they come up to Jesus and they say, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now these laws sound very strange to us in 21st century, but according to the Old Testament law, when a a man died without a child, uh, if he was married, a brother had to marry the widow and produce children, and those children would then care for the widow and carry on the family line, carry on the name that was important for them. And so they come up with this scenario. So they say, well, that's the law. So then imagine this happens. So you have a a brother, uh, seven brothers actually, and uh, one of them marries this woman, and he dies without having any children. So the next brother marries her, then he dies without having any children. Then the next brother marries her, then he dies without having any children. And all seven do. All seven brothers marry her and die without having children. So here's their question. 
So in heaven, whose wife is she going to be? Because she was married to all seven. And they're convinced that this is such a, a difficult, tricky sort of issue to untangle that in their mind, there can't be a heaven because God wouldn't allow a law that could make things so complicated and difficult and impossible. It seems like the Sadducees had used this um, sort of question on the Pharisees beforehand and they'd been stumped by it. So they think, ah, oh, we get Jesus. And uh, they stop talking and they sort of stand back and just wait for Jesus to realise he's stumped. But Jesus isn't stumped by their, their riddle that they've brought to him. He says in verse 24, he says, you're wrong. He says, you're wrong because you do, don't know the scriptures or the power of God. He says, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures, the word of God, the Bible, nor the power of God. Why are they wrong? Well, Jesus says you're wrong because in heaven there isn't marriage. Life then isn't just a repeat of what it is now. That's what the Sadducees thought people were saying. It's different. Jesus says your marriage riddle doesn't disprove life after death. And then Jesus refers back to Moses and the burning bush. And Jesus says, remember how God spoke to him? God said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You see, God God is saying, I am still their God. They've all died, but I am still their God. What he's saying is they are still alive. They've died, yes, but they are now alive with God. And Matthew told us, you might have picked up on it, everyone was astonished at Jesus' answer. They realised what he was saying. Now, don't worry too much if that argument went over your head a little bit. The, the, the argument Jesus is making here isn't really my key point. The key point here that I want us to, to really pick up on is that they were wrong because they did not know the word of God and they did not know the power of God. And Jesus says, you are quite wrong. The NKJV says, you are greatly mistaken. The NIV says, you are badly mistaken. Why is it such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal that they've made this error? Well, it's such a big deal because them not knowing the word of God like they should and them not knowing the power of God meant that they didn't believe in the resurrection. And not believing in the resurrection, not believing that there is life after death is a huge mistake. And it completely affects how we live our life now. The Sadducees had what a lot of people call the YOLO attitude. You only live once. Everything they did was for this life. You know, it's not a coincidence that the Sadducees were rich and powerful and influential. It's because everything they did was for this life. They stored up money, they built up, everything was about profit, they were making the most of this life. And sadly that's how a lot of people live today, isn't it? YOLO. You see it um, sometimes on car stickers, don't you? There's one life. Live it. This thing of go and adventure, go and make money, go and live life to the full because this is what you've got. Once it's done, it's done. But that, that message is radically different to what Jesus said just a few chapters before in Mark 8 where he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. 
You see, if we know the word of God and if we get this properly, then it will massively impact our life now. We'll be willing to give away our money now. We'll be willing to sacrifice our time. We should even be willing to die if we know the truth of the verse after that, which John actually prayed for. I didn't tell him about this. For what, pro- what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You see, the Sadducees didn't get that. They were trying to gain the whole world, but they forfeited their souls. They were wrong because they didn't know the scriptures and they didn't know the power of God. The Sadducees had a very small idea of who God is and what God was like. In their minds, God was very small. In some ways, they were rationalists. They were a bit like Thomas this morning. I was thinking about it as I was hearing about Thomas this morning when he was saying, I won't believe it unless I see it and I touch it. And in some ways, they were like that. They didn't believe that God had more power than death. And it wasn't long, and we know the story, don't we? It wasn't long before Jesus shows just how wrong they are. God does have more power than death. This morning, we saw the difference that the resurrection of Jesus makes. It makes all the difference. And if you missed this morning, I recommend going and watching it or listening to it. You know, if we don't know the word of God, if we don't know the power of God, then we will get things wrong. To get things right, we need the power of God and we need the word of God. These are the two things that I need in order to speak to you. These are the the two things that make it worth listening. One of the things that I love about this church is that me saying these things isn't going to be a surprise to many of you. As you hear about the authority of the Bible, this isn't new teaching. Um, This uh, last week I was listening to a podcast. It's uh, called Delight Podcast. It's by an old friend of mine. And he was interviewing someone and he said that in the church where he grew up, uh, the Bible was respected. But he said when he moved to a new church when he had grown up a bit, he said the new church, it was respected, but more than that, it had authority. And he said there was just a huge difference in that church because the Bible wasn't just a book that they respected. It was a book that had authority over their lives. And it was actually in this passage from Mark that made him think about uh, how important the Bible is for the first time. When Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he commends them for taking uh, his words, not just as the words of a human, but as God's words. Augustine summed it up nicely when he said, "When uh, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. The Bible is our authority. And we need to get to know it better and better. When I went to um, uni, I met so many different Christians with so many different views about different things. And uh, many of them put me to shame, if I'm honest, with their love for God, with their desire to obey him, and with their, their knowledge of the Bible. And uh, sometimes I'd have discussions with them about different issues and different Christian issues. And it did me so much good. Because it forced me to look back at the Bible and say, what does the Bible say? And also, what does the Bible not say? And for those of you going away to uni or going elsewhere, I really want to encourage you 
to check everything against God's word. Have this as your authority. Go back to this. When you have disagreements or when you have differing views, go back to this. Open it up together maybe and look at what it says. And it will help you so much. Look at what it says and look at what it doesn't say. And that's true for all of us here as well, isn't it? Isn't this what we need to do all the time? We need to have this as our authority. Keep going back to the Bible. What does it say? What doesn't it say? And as we go forward as a church, we need to make sure, don't we, that it's the authority of the Bible that is guiding us more than our own preferences. That we look at what the Bible says and we always think about what it doesn't say. Paul says to Timothy, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. See, the word of God has everything that we need to teach us, to correct us, to equip us. It's the complete handbook. It's not just a handbook. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It's living. It's a potent book, this. As people read it, as you listen to it, it changes lives. It convicts people. It converts people. It changes people's hearts as they come face to face with the words in it and the Jesus who it reveals. Paul says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Some of you will know this, but the Greek word there for power is the same word that we get the English word dynamite from. The the gospel that's included in here is the dynamite of God that has the power to save everyone who believes. That's good, isn't it? The dynamite of God. And the fact that the Bible is alive, the fact that it's convicting, the fact that it's transforming, it should make us want to listen. But it should also make us want to bring people along, shouldn't it? If we believe in the power of God, if we believe in this word, we should want to bring people along, knowing that even the hardest of hearts can be changed as the word of God is opened. Because God speaks to us through it. God's power comes through his word. It's the gospel with the power of dynamite. 1 Peter 1 verse 23 says, We are born again through the living and abiding word of God. It's how we're born again, through the living and abiding word of God. But the power of God doesn't stop there. It doesn't just make us born again. It helps us grow. 1 Peter 2 verses 2 to 3. It's the milk that nourishes us, that helps us grow. Matthew 4 verse 4. The word of God is the bread of life. We need it to sustain us each and every day. It keeps us spiritually from being hungry. And we need to keep feeling his power in our lives. Each and every day we need his power. If we we want to please God, if we want to live life as a Christian, we're trying to do that and trying to overcome temptation without the power of God is a recipe for failure. You won't do it. We need the power of God. We need the word of God in our life if we are to live life for God. So going back to where I started, how can I feel able to 
stand up here and speak to you all, especially about things like this. Because when the word of God is opened and explained properly, and that's my responsibility, my responsibility is to make sure that I explain what is going on in the passage to the best of my ability. When the word of God is opened and explained properly, really it is God speaking to us. It's not the preacher. It's God speaking to us. So those of you with big questions, when you think, why would you listen to him? Well, if I'm speaking from God's words, then it's God speaking. And God tackles all the big questions that we might have. Some of you might need a bit of help finding some of those answers sometimes. They're not always easy to find, but they are there. Nothing important is missed out of God's word. God tackles everything that we need tackling. What about those of you with heavy burdens? Why listen to me? Well, because the Bible directs us to the one who says, cast all your burdens on me. And he is the one who has experienced the deepest pain. He knows what you're going through. And it is him speaking to you. What about those of you who aren't interested? But the Bible says you need to be interested. Because this impacts every single one of us. And God's word is active. And it's convicting. And that's what gives me great encouragement. That as I speak to people who maybe are not interested, God's word can do the work of changing people's lives. What about those of you who are mature believers? Well, there's so much packed into God's word that a lifetime is not enough to to grasp the riches of, of who God is and what he's like. And we need God's word, don't we, like that bread, to sustain us each and every day. And other groups, maybe you're in another group that I haven't specifically mentioned, sorry if you felt left out, but I can assure you that God's word is relevant for you and it is powerful for every single one of us in every single situation and he has the power to speak directly to us. That's the power of God's word. You know, changing lives, transforming hearts, convicting people, raising people from the dead is not my responsibility. It's God's. And he has the power to do that. And for however long I preach, who knows how long that might be, I always want to feel the need of those two things. The word of God and the power of God. If anything good is going to come out of preaching, those are the two things that absolutely must be there every time. And it's those two things that will make it worth listening to. So I just want to finish, really, by saying, please pray for me. Pray that I will stick to this. Pray that God will help me to explain this properly so that it is God's word speaking to you. I need help with that. And pray that God will use it powerfully in the lives, that he will speak through his word, that he will work in all of our lives, so that we may grow as individuals and grow as a church to better reflect God and his glory. And pray as well that when you come to church, you'll come with hearts ready to listen to what God's got to say.
We're going to finish um, with uh, a song. It's, it's almost a prayer, really. Well, it is a prayer. Um, and I'm going to read the second verse and then the fifth and the sixth verse. The second verse is this. May the word of God dwell richly in my heart from hour to hour so that all may see I triumph only through his power. And then verse five. May I run the race before me, strong and brave to face the foe, looking only unto Jesus as I onward go. May his beauty rest upon me as I seek the lost to win, and may they forget the channel, seeing only him. Let's sing and pray as we do so. Father, we thank you so much for giving us your word. We thank you for everything that you revealed to us, and especially for revealing your son to us through it. And Lord, I thank you for the power of God. Lord, I thank you that the same power that raised Jesus, your son, from the dead, uh, and that one day will raise all of us from the dead as if we're followers of you, Lord, that that is the same power that can be at work in us now. And Lord, I pray Lord, that each one of us here may read and know your word better and that we may trust and rely on and believe in the power of God. Lord, that we may grow as a church and that we may become more like you. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.